family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. You are looking live in the Tim Simmons said, oh, I did it. Ah, Tim and Friends Studios. Jar. Downtown Toronto. I'm Tim, you are friends. And look, 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 you heard the voice. I was thrown off. Back from a wedding for the ages, it is Jesse Rubinoff, Mazel Tov. Timmy, homie. thank you. Look like a good time online. Hey, how'd it go? How'd it go? How'd it go? Thank you. Um, he got married, for those who don't know. Yeah, no, it was perfect. <laughs> it was everything I could have ever dreamed of and more, and I deserve none of the credit for it. It's all her. I already am twirling my ring like crazy. This is yes. the new thing. It took me 20 minutes to develop a new, like, nervous Tick. thing. Tick. Yeah. Yes, and I just do this nonstop now. Um, or you could just be like me and never wear it. Yeah, right. I lost two rings. Like two, they were too big. No, they were a little oh, bit too big. Irresp- irresponsible. I, just, yeah, right. I, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and my wife wondered if this was some sort of hint. But the be- the ring would be in the bed. Like it would ju- I would just somehow be I don't know fidgeting with it or whatever. I've lost. I'm on to my third ring, and I just keep it in the top drawer at my house. And it doesn't, none it of them the were bank. expensive. God's honest truth, we had no money when we got married. We spent everything on the wedding yeah. and the honeymoon. We were doing like a renovations and we went to the, we bought a $45 ring to put on my finger <laughs> for the first one. So my wife wasn't mad at that one. Second was expensive. I lost it after playing some sort of sport right. because I didn't want to leave it on and get my finger chopped off. And uh, third one uh, we bought and then I found the second one again and lost the third one. Safety deposit box. <laughs> we just need to, yeah. So, so don't worry about it too much. Yeah. No, it, was, it was incredible. Um, such a fun time. So fun to just feel you know, the love in, in the room. Because it's been a long time yeah. since people have been able to hang out together in one room. And you know, it, was, it was fantastic to be back with people again. I that remember, was a big takeaway. I remember Sid and I were talking during the pandemic about, like, remember when you used to lament going to a wedding? Yeah. Like you get, it would be, oh, it's wedding season. And you got like, you're at a certain age where yeah. everyone's getting married. And you're like, oh, I don't want to go to another. And then we were like, I will never be upset about going to totally. a wedding ever again. Totally. I got so lucky with yeah. that, like expertly timed on my behalf. But it's just my group of friends. Like I was the first one in two years, basically. Right. So everyone was just raring to go. And it ended up being exactly what uh, we expected, which was a, a really fun time. And thank you to everybody on, on social media who's been wishing me uh, well and congratulating me. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, social media, uh, we've talked about this, sometimes can be a dark place in this business, yes. especially. Yes. But it has been anything but um, with the tweets. Yeah, the, 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 so the thing really that offsets it. Twitter every once in a while is that people are really, really nice oh, yeah. on it so as well. Nice. <laughs> so, so nice. Uh, so you're back. I'm back. Our producer Thomas Dobby's coming back from his honeymoon. honeymoon. He'll be back tomorrow. Italy. Neil Mattias just had a child. Yeah. He's back on Big the things. groove. Like, holy cow, what's going on with the Tim and Friends family? Yeah, getting stuff Growing. Done. Yeah, here we go. Growing by the day. Woo. So you know honeymoon? Uh, maybe in the new year or something. I think we're waiting okay. for things to... Calm down, although... Settle? We're, we're getting there. We're getting there I, I as a country. I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to settle. I, I literally brought up with my wife. I'm like, are we just going to go on a vacation? Like, how long are we going to deal with this? Like, yeah. maybe it's just time we go on a vacation. I think they're starting to iron out I some things. One. I don't know. I haven't traveled yet, <laughs> but I hear they're starting to iron things out a little bit. The airports are getting a little smoother, so right. it might be time to uh, 
start thinking about it at least. All right. Well, welcome back. Thank you, Timmy. Uh, we missed you. It wasn't near long enough, and Thank I you. say that in the most endearing way yeah. possible. I wish you had a little bit more time, <laughs> but whenever you do take that honeymoon, it will be well earned. Thank you. Uh, you want to get this party started? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Other it. friends popping by this soiree today include Ron McLean and Tara Sloan as Rogers Hometown Hockey on its new night features the Senators and Blackhawks from Chicago. They're in Belleville, Ontario. And that is an apt name. It is a very Belleville. I'm going to say Calgary is hot. Not the Flames are, because that's a terrible cliche meant for bad Twitter headlines. But regardless, the Flames are hot. Their managing general, Brad Living, will join us to discuss how hot and just plain old how. And I'm sure we couldn't imagine this after opening night. After opening night of the Toronto Raptors, Jesse, could you have imagined that the Raptors have gotten people this excited? Yeah, I, I, I'm pumped. I'm, like, fully on board. But I'm asking you, like, after game one, could you have imagined that we were here now? Like, we were like, holy crap, we should have listened to Masai Ujiri pumping the brakes on this team. Yeah. And lo and behold, here they are. I think we, they've established a recipe already this season, which is you got to work harder than everybody else to win. Right. That's true. And, and when they do, they've been winning. So All we'll right. see if they can keep it up. As they head to New York, they take on the Knicks tonight. Your friend and mine, Alvin Williams, will join us. And as that weren't enough, Super Bowl champ, former NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Jonathan Vilma. Week 8 in the NFL, some crazy surprises as the Jets and Chiefs close out the week tonight on Monday Night Football. Uh, what did I say, Jets and Chiefs? I'm, I'm confused by the Jets. I, I don't know if you <laughs> – one of the surprises this week, uh, the Jets down 11 came back and beat the back. It's the, it's, the, it's the Giants and the Chiefs tonight, but some of the surprises that I wanted to talk about included – uh, the Jets, who mm. came back to beat the Bengals. The Saints, with their backup, beat Brady and the Bucks. The boys, with their backup, beat the Vikes. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but the Jets, down uh, I 11, think I with uh, five minutes left, came back and beat the Bengals. Mike White uh, leads the way for the Jets coming back to beat the Bengals, down 11 points. Yeah. I don't know why I keep I, going. I, yeah, it wasn't maybe one of your picks. I might have been off for the wedding, but I did see your picks. <laughs> And yeah. I did see that you took yeah, the Bengals. I'm, I might be fixated on that one. I mean, it's bit, not yeah. it, it's not that crazy. Yeah. Like you just said it. They were up 11 with what five minutes to no, go. No, no, I'm just mad. I'm pissed. I had an 0-2 week. I've been riding all of these hot streaks left, right, and center, and parading them around. I got to own this. That's fine. It's easy to own on it week. when you're now what 11 and five. 11 and 5 yeah, on the season. Worse. So does that mean that you now have a better win percentage at 7 and 3? I don't know. I'm not. I, I can't figure do math. it out. Com. Look what I'm sitting here. I can't do math. That's, yes, I got the confirmation in my ear. Better winning percentage, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you didn't want to do the math, but when someone did the math for you, i.e. a producer, and whispered to you, you do really have quick. a better winning percentage, you're like, Thanks, yeah, Thanks, this guy right here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. All right, we'll let's, see next Let's Sunday. get this dog yeah. barking. First things first, what's the deal, Shaquille O'Neal? Oh. Tell me. That's first funny. Things, first. First. All right, uh, let's begin with the World Series. And I believe the game began in October and ended in November. That's how long these baseball games are taking. Literally. Literally. Started in October, ended in November. Game five started in grand fashion for the Braves, but it was the Astros not going down without a fight, rallying to win 9-5, now trailing the series 3-2. Atlanta will have two more shots at their first title since 1995, but they'll have to get it done in Houston I know you bet on the Astros earlier in the series, but the Braves still have the edge here 
being up 3-2 in the World Series. Yeah, I bet him down one nothing, and I thought it would go a little differently. I didn't see Ian Anderson and company shutting out the Astros. I didn't see Houston hitting, what, 207 in the series until that game last night. Yes, Atlanta still has the edge. Yes, I still think that the Braves are going to win it, even though I thought it would go differently. And the reason why is because they've got decent starting pitching lined up for the rest of the series. Uh, that was the Charlie Morton game, right? Like, I think when you looked at this, listen, the Astros were not only on the brink, but down 4 nothing at the brink. Like, they were beyond the brink, and at that point, they outscored Atlanta 9-1. to yeah. I had to do the quick math in my head. Yeah. 9-5, Grand Slam, today. Duvall. 9-1 yeah. was the number. And listen, it, it was... It doesn't happen very often, okay, to go down 4 nothing in a World Series clincher game and come back and win. There's some momentum here, and momentum is always what's your next day starter mm-hmm. for baseball. And I, just, I, I still think Atlanta has the, has, the, uh, has the advantage, but I will say this. If I were the Braves, I would be a little bit worried about that offense waking up. Because let's be honest, they were far and away the best offense in Major League Baseball for almost the entire year, basically the entire year. And they went very cold, real cold. Did they awaken from their mighty slumber? Yeah, I, I mean... It, did the Astros' bats awaken? Correa the certainly did last night. Of Martin Maldonado, yeah. who we all knew was going to break them out. Like, the, the one weak link had three <laughs> RBIs in that game, and you just wonder... Maybe has Houston found something? People don't like the Astros. I think we've established that. Most people outside of Houston don't like the Astros. But what you can't deny, especially after a game like last night, is they have the hearts of champions. Like, they've been there before. They know how to rise to the occasion. I know it's a World Series, but it would have been easy for them to blame it on a grand slam in the first inning as sort of being the, the difference in the baseball game. And usually when you get to a bullpen now in baseball, in the modern age of baseball, the other team will shut it down. That's how good bullpens have been. And yeah. the Atlanta Braves bullpen is no different. But the Houston Astros rallied again. And you got to at least respect that part of it, that they were able to come back from being down early in this game like that. Uh, teams are 45-3 and all-time when leading uh, by four or more runs in any point of a clincher. Make it 45-4 uh, and four as the Astros. I'm not saying, like, I'm not as comfortable in this bet at one nothing, Right. Uh, at 3-2. Uh, they got to win two in a row, but they'll do it at home. And if the bats did wake up, then the, like who would have thought? Like my point was still right on betting. Like think about it, the Braves didn't score any runs against Houston. Mm-hmm. It's just that Houston's batting was even worse. Yeah, like pitching for Atlanta was really good. They needed um, their bats to step up, and they did. Guess who's yeah. on the mound for the Braves in Game 6? feels like every time we talk about a massive Max game, Freed. it's Max Fried. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen because the last two have been super shaky, although he's been their best pitcher so far this year. Yeah, I wonder, and maybe the number's are already out there, but are their favorites on the road in Game 6 with Freed on the mound, I, even I though he's so. been blown up in each of the last two starts? I like, believe so. Rookie, so. rookie on the is opposing him, Luis Garcia, so right. that's part of the reason. And listen, Freed was the best pitcher in all of baseball in the second half. Ridiculous. And it's Houston's favorite. By how much, Jay? Minus 125. So fractionally, yeah, it's It's close. close. So Houston's favorite immoral 
uh, Freed, maybe that's some good value for Freed. Like, is he yeah. going to have three straight terrible starts after one of the greatest second halves that we've seen in a long time? Yeah. I, it's, your bet is as good as mine, Timmy. Literally. Uh, okay, let's go to hockey. And Gary Bettman held a video conference today, making his first comments on camera since allegations against the Chicago Blackhawks were made public last week. Since then, Stan Bowman has resigned as general manager of the Blackhawks. Joel Quenville has resigned as head coach of the Florida Panthers, while Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Dayoff has been cleared by the league of any wrongdoing. Bettman began his media availability with an apology to Kyle Beach. This certainly has been a disturbing and difficult week for all of us but not nearly as disturbing and difficult as it has been this week and since 2010 for Kyle Beach. As I told Kyle on Saturday, I am sorry for what he has been through and thought he has been courageous, especially this past week. We discussed the path forward with him involved in efforts to confront abuse. We also offered to him and his family our resources for counseling. I'm not sure that, that there's anything we could have done differently or faster based on the knowledge that we have. In retrospect, based on the knowledge that everybody has, I wish we knew about this in 2011, but we didn't. Uh, and what we may have thought the club was telling us or the club thought the situation was before the lawsuit was actually filed and what ultimately it turned out to be from the report, that wasn't this. Uh, and so in terms of the knowledge that was available, uh, I think uh, we, particularly in the last week, have done what was appropriate on, an, on a timely basis. So did uh, Gary Bettman's comments today provide any clarity for you or closure for you, Timmy, of this situation? Now, it, here's, here's what... There's like real world conversations that need to take place here. Yeah. And one of the things that a lot of people that I talked to after that news conference was done that listened to it, they felt like it's still the old boys club and that there is still this lack of transparency and that there's still this lawyer speak that takes place when things like this happen that no one can relate to that people just look at and say, that sounds smug. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like a real human being talking. That doesn't sound like you're trying to do what's best for all involved. It sounds like you're trying to make sure that you're, you're covered and that you've done the right things moving forward. And I'm not the burn it all down type. Like I have a lot of empathy for people in tough spots and you try and come up with real world solutions. And the one real world solution that I wanted to see here was the same one that Billie Jean King suggested last week. And that was for all sports to have an independent investigator because when people are protecting their money, they tend to do the wrong thing. And what I heard around that idea was more lawyer speak. And in 2021, I understand why people go to lawyers speak, but the general public is sick and bloody tired of hearing things like that. All they want is accountability. All they want you to say is, 
yes, we screwed up and we're going to be better moving forward. So instead of giving my opinion and being the 700th to denounce or going to Twitter and yelling something as loud as I possibly can, I will just promise right here and right now to hold the NHL accountable moving forward. So if anything like this comes up in the future and I heard today we're going to look into bringing in professional assistance mm-hmm. in the matter. Does that mean an, imp- an independent investigator? And if it doesn't, then just go out and do that. Because I think that's the necessary step that the league needs to take in order to help all involved so that we don't walk down this road again. So there's, there's no burn it all down right now. Sometimes you do need to burn it all down. There's no burn it all down right now. However, moving forward on this show at least, we'll hold you accountable. And We'll see if any of those things that you suggested may happen in a timely fashion actually happen in a timely fashion. Because I think we can all agree that an independent investigator Mm -hmm. would be the right thing for the NHL to do if they were honestly interested in making it better moving forward. And the fallout isn't done either. There's a meeting today, I believe, uh, with the NHLPA and to discuss Donald Fear's role in this as well. So I think... This situation and the follow-up from it is going to continue for, for some time to come. Um, no easy segue from that story, but no, um, there is other NHL news to get to. Uh, the Habs obviously struggling immensely so far to start the year. Cole Caulfield sent to the AHL's Laval Rocket, and I remember this was October 12th to me. Uh, we asked our viewers to give us their boldest predictions for the NHL season, and Josh sent in... Caulfield is sent to the minors on October 12th. <laughs> and and I we read that on air. We read it on air. Yeah. I distinctly remember both of our reactions. We were like, what? People are saying he's going to score 30, 40 goals. Yeah. What are you sent to the minors? And here we are on November the 1st, and Cole Caulfield is going down to the minors. What do you he's, make of is uh, getting, Caulfield? Is getting the KK treatment? He's getting the KK treatment. It's uh, How about zero goals, zero primary assists for Cole Caulfield? Go down, get some confidence. It never hurt anybody. Yes. It is not the end of your career when you get sent down. And they obviously believe in this kid. They just need him to do more. Yeah, it just can't get much worse for the Montreal Canadiens, so... No. Get his confidence back. And it's going to be hard for them to climb out yeah. of this two and eight hole. No doubt. Uh, okay, we go to the NFL and some devastating news for the Tennessee Titans running back. Derrick Henry may have suffered a season-ending foot injury during Sunday's win over the Colts just moments ago. The Titans placing the NFL's leading rusher on injured reserve with no timeline on his potential return, and the Denver Broncos have traded star linebacker Von Miller to the Rams in exchange for a second and third round draft pick. Why didn't they do this before yesterday's game when I had Washington? (laughs) It's like they need another uh, high-paid defensive player in L.A. Uh, How does this change the playoff picture for you when it comes to Henry and when it comes to the Rams? I think it's more significant in Tennessee because that's your MVP. Yeah, uh, And they had used him up. And that's the worry about when you have a bulk back is that you're going to get him hurt. And I don't know the numbers. Actually, I do know the numbers because I wrote them down yesterday. 28 carries versus the Colts. 29 carries against KC. He was on pace to break Larry Johnson's all-time record for most carries in a season at 419, I believe. It's unbelievable. It's, they, they were using him a lot, and I know why. Because he's that damn good. But... This is why not a lot of teams go with one running back anymore because if you get hurt, what do you do? And you look at the AFC right now, and it is up for grabs. 
I mean, Kansas City is playing tonight. They don't look like the team they used to be. Are, are the Buffalo Bills, right, the AFC North has gone to, like, Bengals losing, <laughs> Pittsburgh beating Cleveland, right? Yeah. Like, so it's the Ravens and Bills are basically the best teams in the AFC right now? Yeah. I mean, after yesterday, I would have told you that the Titans are right up there. They've won four in a row. They're as hot as anybody. But with, now what do you with do? With quality wins, too. Yeah. Buffalo, KC, and Indy yeah, sweeping the series. So you're three games. They're going to have time here because they're basically three games up on the rest of the division because of the sweep of Indy. Yeah. So they're going to have some time to figure things out. And apparently they just signed Adrian Peterson, I mean, which is another story for another day. But I don't want to walk down that yeah. road. I feel like the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills haven't played their best football and they might be the best team in the AFC right Yeah, now. Bills took a long time to put those Dolphins away yesterday. A little, had to shake off a little rust. A little bit of rust from the off bye. Off the bye, yeah. Uh, okay, to basketball, we go in two games and two nights. No problem for the Toronto Raptors this weekend. First, they took care of things on home court Friday night, beating the Magic by one point. Then on the road on Saturday, they beat the Pacers 97-94. You said it off the top, Timmy. The first week looked a little bleak for this team. Are we cool to get excited about the Toronto Raptors after this weekend? Are we cool to get excited about what do you mean by excited? Is it okay to get excited? Yeah, okay, I mean, hold on. Have the expectations shifted in your mind from what? Because we no, you, you mentioned no, you're, you're, Masai was downplaying it. I, I, have those changed? Okay, I'm my pause doesn't mean that you have to rephrase. Okay, answer either one then. Yeah, okay, because I don't <laughs> want you to think I'm just thinking about it like a normal human being would. You're allowed to be excited about this team. In fact, you should be excited mm. about this team because of the way they play. They bring their lunch buckets each and every day. And you and I talked about how that might endear them to their fans. Mm-hmm. And it, without a doubt, positively, absolutely has. And listen, Indiana's not a great team right now. But they got some bigs. Scotty Barnes was able to do damage against the bigs. And Scotty Barnes doubtful for tonight's game. For those who don't know, he has a sprained thumb. Uh, Looked like on Sunday that he was going to be okay, or at least we were hearing he was going to be okay, and now is doubtful. But yes, without a doubt, this team, even without Pascal Siakam, I mean, if you had told Raptor fans that they would be at 500 and Siakam would return, they would have been happy. And they're above 500 right now. And they've done it in a way that not a lot of people thought they would. And that is by playing an exciting brand of basketball that is absolutely lovable and easy to get excited about. Because the players are likable and uh, the team has become very tough. Although that's the culture that's been set over the last few years. So do you think there's people, Raptor fans everywhere, that are saying, uh, admitting that they were wrong on draft night when they wanted Jalen Suggs and... Yeah, that's changed. Now it's got like that's flipped, right? I, I, I thought. I mean, we we all tend to listen to the experts on that, right? And it was a four-person draft. That's all you heard. Scotty Burns wasn't one of those four. Not anymore. Uh, when you say that we all tend to listen to the experts, do you not sit across from me every day? No, 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 no. There's a difference. Huh? There's a difference. Wait you a second here. No, 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 no. Wait a second here. No. Wait, what? You are an expert on all things. There are people who spend 24-7 on the NBA draft, and all of them. Do you, do you know where Uncle Timmy started in this business? Basketball. Do you, do you know what my first assignment, big-time assignment was? 
writing a draft preview for the Mike Bibby. <laughs> Mike Vince Bibby. Co- yes. <laughs> what a callback. Yes. That draft. Rafe LaFrance. Rafe LaFrance. All right. Man. Larry Hughes. Lefty. He was a lefty Rafe. I remember that. He used to paint his nails, too. Yeah. Larry Hughes was good, too. Cleveland, out of Cleveland St. Louis, team. shout out the Billikins. He was with the, he was on the original LeBron team when LeBron got don't, drafted. Don't don't start throwing out knowledge here like that's going to offset this saying, little you, okay, so this I little expert comment. I can't okay. I saw it on the tweets too. Someone wrote in and said, "Hey Tim, all the experts were saying they should take Jalen Suggs too." Uh, hold on. And then I asked. I, I'm getting I'm I, getting I'm getting reports that on July 28, 29th, you said the following. I'm not saying Barnes will be better than Suggs. I'm just old enough to remember what the experts said about it. Luca, third in 2018. Kawhi, 15th in 2011. Kobe, 13th in 1996. Marvin Bagley, second, 2018. Jimmer Fredette, 10th in 2011. Todd Fuller, 11th, 1996. Boy, Todd Fuller was a bit of a reach. So uh, let it play out. And look, you're right. Just let, like, I just, I don't, I, I guess. You're right. Yeah. Seven games in, but you're right. Time for a break. Still plenty ahead on this edition of He's Tim right. and Friends. No, don't say that now. Now you're circling back. It doesn't Calgary matter. Flames better. No, I'm not taking it. I can get more it. than one opinion. Brad Tree Living will join <laughs> us with his team riding a six-game winning sheet. Looking good. Rob McLean, Tara Sloan from Belleville, Ontario, ahead of the Sens and Hawks on Rogers Hometown Hockey. Former Pro Bowl linebacker Jonathan Vilma on a shocking Sunday in the National Football League. But up next, my friend Alvin Williams. Did he compare Scotty Barnes to Giannis? Tim and friends, Monday, let's go. Well, the Flames are rolling. We'll try and keep it going when they play host to Nashville on Tuesday. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. Those are the plays they envisioned when they traded up to draft him. Hand off to Moore. Back to Crowder. They got the two to the quarterback, White. And they lead by three. How y'all doing? You know the vibes. Scotty Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> He's the rookie on the front line. Let's get it on with Scotty Barnes. We got Cooper to Cooper here for the go-ahead score. That family must think they're dreaming right now. Oh my goodness. Afraid to wake up tomorrow morning. That that really happened. How do you do, fellow kids? What? How y'all doing? You know the vibes. Scotty Barnes. <laughs> He's the rookie on the front line. Let's get it on with Scotty Barnes. Running the floor. Oh, a monster slam by Scotty Barnes. He is such a smart basketball player at such a young age. They love me here. I'm with it. They with it. Turns the corner, goes right at Duarte, and throws it down. Beat me up, Scotty. Scotty Barnes has the good. He's special. Scotty Barnes, coast to coast. He is just showing everything in the first week of NBA experience. To Barnes, throwing it down just like that. Scotty Barnes continues to impress. This guy has been phenomenal so far in his start as a rapper. He's reminded you a little bit of who? I said it, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I feel that, I'm going to stand on it, and over time, I just see him getting better and better becoming one of those top-notch players in the NBA. 
Okay, okay. We're all excited about Scotty Barnes. Dropped the kids off at school today. George Kostakis wheels by in the whip and just yells, Scotty Barnes! And I get it. I get it. We're all on the bandwagon right now. But officially listed as doubtful tonight. Sprained thumb as soon as we get an update for the next game. We will bring it to you. The homie Alvin Williams is here. What's going on, Alvin? How are you, man? What's up, brother? How are you, man? I'm very good. I'm very Did I? I mean, I obviously heard it because I just played it back, but you dropped a Giannis on this kid Saturday night? Like, what's <laughs> going on here? Man, I did, man. I, I, I did. I, I believe it, man. I see, I see the potential. And Giannis was somebody I looked at early in his career, and I liked what he brought at a youngster for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I see the same type of potential. The thing about Giannis, I remember talking to Jason Kidd over dinner, who was his coach at the time. He said Giannis has had a, a crazy work ethic. He has a seriousness. He has a determination. And that's why you see Giannis being a two-time MVP, a champion, and one of the best players in the league. So if Scotty has those type of things, then he could be not just like Giannis. He could be better than Giannis because the skill set at this age, in this stage of his career, I think is I think is higher. Okay, so there's a there's a when you say yeah, yeah. that, and I and I understand that there's a lot of people going. Did he just say better? I need to remind people that Giannis, as a rookie, averaged six point eight points per game. Like it didn't come on in a flash. And I know there's like a recency bias, and people get. But the things that you see in Scotty that get you to that point are what? Like, is it is it just work ethic? Is it vision? To me, like, some of the things that he has, Alvin, you can't teach, right? Like, yeah. the, the willingness to defend, that basketball IQ that he seems to have, and, like, all of the things that you want a guy to learn, he came to the Raptors with a little bit of. Is, is that why you're saying that? Exactly. That's yeah. it. Everything that he has, and I don't know his work ethic like that. I don't know, you know, his 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 daily routine, his regimen. I don't know that. His offseason, and that's when you get better, during the offseason. You get stronger. During the season, you become more experienced. So all of those things, when you talk about the greatest of the greats, the Jordans, the Kobe's, the LeBron's, the Magic's, the Birds, these guys had a work ethic. They had a drive. They had a burning something inside them to make sure they were going to continue to get better. I don't know if all of those things are there, right. but what he does from that you can't teach, his feel for the game, his energy. I've watched him guard Bradley Bill. I've watched him guard Sabonis. I've watched him guard all types yes. of players. He's done that at his position, and he can pass the ball. He's a willing passer. So once you have those things, I mean, the sky's the limit for this kid. But I, I, I truly believe it takes that, that thing inside you to make you separate from everyone else. Completely agree with you. And the other part of this that makes me laugh is I just saw him, like, bodying up Sabonis. And, like, I've seen him guard. How many How many kids out of one year of college have you seen, okay, you get the assignment of Jason Tatum or you get the assignment of Luka Doncic? And that's what they've been doing. Like, it's just like, here, this is already our guy. And that, like... I know people are excited because of the points, and I don't think we thought he would score like this. But to me, that's what's most mind-blowing. Is like, Jason Tatum, have at it, kid. Luka Doncic, have at it, kid. Bradley Beal and Sabonis. Like, that's just crazy. Yeah, and, and to that point, his offense doesn't suffer. 
He yeah. still has the same energy. He still, and it seems like his offense gets better the tougher talent that he's guarding. So it's just one of those things. And when I say Giannis, those are the reasons why. I've seen Giannis guard a bunch of people. I've seen him offensively get his teammates. I've seen him get better over time. But you know what? Once again, all the greats, they have to face criticism. They have to go through the ups and downs. They have to go through losing. They have to do all of these things, and they have to respond to it. And that, that's the next step. So when I do make the comparison, I make the comparison of I see the potential, and who knows if he'll go through all of these things. I've heard people compare Ben Simmons to Magic Johnson when he first came out. And right. now we see what that looks like, right? It's, it's not <laughs> Magic Johnson. Right. As great as he is, he's not close to Magic Johnson. So I knew I need to be careful with that comparison, but I'm talking about the potential and his ability, what, what he has to offer right now. Yeah, I was trying to quickly search the Muhammad Ali quote about champions. Champions are made from something they have deep inside them, a desire, a dream, a vision. They have to have that last-minute stamina. They have to be a little bit faster. This is the things that you're talking about, the difference yes. between really good and great and great and all-time great. I don't know if it's Bruno or Pascal, but it seems like Masai has wanted this type of player for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, everyone in their, in, in their right mind would want this type of player. You know, the, the long player, athletic, can guard multiple positions, but also his attitude. From what I've seen, and I've talked to some of his college coaches and some people that knew him in the AAU world, his attitude, his character, he's a hooper. He loves basketball. He has fun out there. It's not a chore for him out there. So when you have everything he brings physically, and then the emotional, the psychological part, and the love for the game, you got a complete prospect of somebody that I would target until I couldn't get him, until I can't get him. So, yeah, he's very very valuable, and I can see Masai really wanting this type of player, man. He's, he's special. He's a special player. All right, last one on Scotty Barnes. We're going to move on to the Knicks and the Raptors tonight. But Dressy was reading draft day tweets from Uncle Timmy, and I wanted to add one more to the mix. Uh, I tweeted out draft night. I know everyone wanted Jalen Suggs, but ESPN listed Scotty Barnes' strengths as one versatile defender, two court vision, three winning player. That reads like the Raptors' modus operandi. <laughs> you're right on. You're right on, and that's what he's shown. Yeah. Now the next phase, and even now, like the Raptors are winning. They're 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 playing well, and they don't, they still don't have Pascal Siakam. So what he's what he's bringing. And the next stage, stage is winning. You know, you want to win at a high level. For him to be those greats, he's going to have to win. But he has the right and he has the goods and the tools to be to be special and to be those things for the Raptors. All right, so he's surprising even me who at draft day was saying, like, let's let this thing play out. Who's the second most surprising player to you so far for the Toronto Raptors? Like, who's the next guy that is, even if it's not, like one of the names that's lower down on the rotation. I'm just talking about like who's come out and given you a little bit more than you thought you were going to get. Um, I didn't know what to expect from Delano Benton. Yeah, he he's doing a great job, and and I see his confidence growing, growing, and and that that's the piece where I see these the length and that type of player. And every time he's coming a game, the flow has changed. It's changed, and he's brought a spark. So that's something you want to see somebody coming off the bench. But now as he's playing more and more, he's maintaining the game. He's controlling parts of the game. So that's something that's, that's, that's a pleasant surprise for me. 
Uh, they're saying that he might. That he is among the names that might replace Scotty Barnes in the starting lineup if, in fact, Scotty can't go today. That would be interesting to watch. And listen, three in a row wasn't exactly murderer's row, um, but they did get the three wins. I-, I was saying before the season started, Alvin, that you could almost get to 35 wins by working your ass off and outworking teams consistently. Do you think that that's kind of where this, like if you reimagine your expectations on this team, what is it looking like right now? Yeah, it's, it's, I believe that. I believe, you know, the season is so long, and now you start seeing some of the top players. They take a lot of days off, load management. So you can you can creep a team. You, you can do things just from your work ethic, and then you stick into the script. You, you're going by your team philosophies, your detail. But just playing hard, like you said, those things are going to win you some basketball games. It's not going to win you the bulk of your basketball games, but – it's definitely a recipe for you to be successful and give yourself a chance to win. And then when you have somebody like your Fred Van Vliet and OG who are finishing games strong, they're making winning plays, they're making big shots, and they're controlling everything, that's giving yourself an opportunity to win games. So I'm 100% with you with that, Tim. All right, one more on the Raptors, and I want to get a quick one on the Knicks. But Freddie Van Vliet's game seems to have matured in my mind, but maybe it's just without Kyle Lowry there. I'm seeing the same sort of steps being taken by Freddie Van Vliet where it's get everyone else involved and then when it's crunch time if you need to assert yourself assert yourself like I thought he's been really good in clutch minutes over the last couple of games have you seen the same thing from Freddie Van Vliet yes but you know for me he's always been that steady type of it looks like it's nonchalant and and take what he can get when he can get it but to me like you just mentioned he's setting the table he's making sure everybody can eat and now I'm going to go in for mine when needed, right? So yeah. that's because he's so comfortable. He's very comfortable in his own skin. He knows he's always going to have – he has to be that person. And that's a beautiful feeling. When you, when, you, when you earn that role and then when you just really master that role, it's not a better feeling because you know the ball's going to be in your hand, your confidence is off the shelf, and, and, and that's it. And, and that's where he is, and the team's starting to rely on him more and more. And he's he's delivering. He's the, this past two games against Orlando and against Indiana, he's delivered in the fourth quarter. Something crazy. I'm not surprised if he probably is the one of the leading fourth quarter scorers in NBA this early season. I feel like we're taking it back to the old school a little bit, Alvin. I know after game one, you said that the Wizards were better than most people thought they were. I look at the sky, I look at the standings, and I see them at five and one. I also see the Chicago Bulls at five and one. I also see the New York Knicks at five and one. It's like we're going back to the '90s. Do you believe <laughs> in the New York Knicks and maybe their rise back to prominence? I do. Yeah. I do. I, I see mainly. I see their best player becoming better and better, and that's Julius Randle. I, I see him becoming a willing passer. I see you just mentioned, you just showed Toppin, Obi Toppin. He's coming off the bench doing this thing. You still got Derrick Rose. You got leadership. You got you got a lot of players. You got you got Kimball Walker now. You got R.J. Barrett. You have players. You have players that are very very good, and it's a great mixture. It's a great mixture of some young talent, but then you got older talent that still can compete and still play at a high level. And once again, their best player is growing and getting better. And then you got Tom Thibodeau with with his philosophy, and he's opening, he's expanding his coaching ability as well. He's not just a defensive guy. He's letting these guys shoot more threes. They're playing more of a freestyle offense. So I do believe in them. And last year they had a great year, 
So they're growing from that. I see them growing from that, becoming even much more better. Much more, much better. I say much more better. Who who taught me my English? <laughs> what school you went? Probably same school I went. Alvin Williams. I could talk about no matter how we're pronouncing it, no matter how we're saying it, I understood what you meant, and I could talk ball with you for a while, but we're out of time. Thanks for doing this, my dude. Oh, man. Take care. Always great seeing you. Yeah, be well. We'll see you soon. You too. There is Alvin Williams uh, joining us from the homestead in Philly. I looked at uh, Julius Randle's numbers mm-hmm. as he was saying it. He's averaging 21 points per game. Okay. Uh, 11.2 rebounds per game. We knew he could rebound. How about six and a half assists per game to go along with that? That's taking the next step. Yeah, that's taking the next step. And the one thing I thought Kemba Walker might upset the chemistry there, he's just kind of just fit in a little, not trying to do too much. Maybe learn from his time in Boston. All right, we'll take a break. We saw a lot of good Halloween costumes over the weekend, but there was one clear-cut winner we'll discuss. Last call. We might even have a few, uh, have to figure out what we're going to do with a few leftover candy. Listen, I got some candy in here. We got to talk about this, Jesse. Next, maybe a candy draft. Bing bong. All right, quick Halloween story uh, as told to me. As told to me by producer Mark Sheldon, uh, who is a big city boy who moved for his first Halloween to Air, Ontario, which is a small... It was on Hometown Hockey a couple weeks ago. It's a a smaller town about an hour, 15 minutes outside of Toronto. It's near Kitchener and Waterloo. And uh, he went out looking for Halloween candy. And they were sold out at all the local uh, supermarkets. So in a last gasp effort, he decides, well, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go full size. I'm going to the variety store. I'll go full size. I will buy all of the candy in this store and hand these out. Did not get a single kid to his house in small town Air Ontario. Let me tell the kids in Air Ontario, you missed out. This is the stash that Mark Sheldon had awaiting any child that walked up to that full-size chocolate bars, among others. So he brings this in, and he says to me, Tim, do you think it's time for a candy draft? And I said, Mark Sheldon? for a candy draft. Here's how this works. This is a Tim and Sid staple. You bring candy into the office, Mm. you draw numbers like you're doing a fantasy draft, and then you draft away. First, second, third, you go along with the numbers. Now, before we get into our actual draft, I thought a conversation was in order, given what we have here. And for those who haven't seen, I mean, these are all of your staple candy bars from your coffee crisps is right. to your Snickers to your Hershey's. We we've got to leave with these. We've got some fun dip. I don't know if you remember the fun dip. That was an old uh, hockey arena classic like candy, for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, we've got Reese's peanut butter cups, uh, which are highly rated on many draft boards. Uh, <laughs> hidden here behind the Kit Kat. Versatile defender. Is a Nestle Crunch which is a very versatile yeah. defender Takes and definitely, definitely has a high basketball IQ. <laughs> um, and over here, uh, Sebastien Morin, if you can get this, uh, these are the full-size rockets. Mm, to the moon. And, uh, yeah, to the moon. Rockets <laughs> oh. suck. All right, rockets are no good. Oh, the double bubble. The double bubbles They're are everywhere. What? Yeah, them come brick on. Wall. I, I owe Mark a little bit. Another brick wall. I threw. I threw the rockets. The brick. <laughs> Listen, I never like rockets. They're not any good. So, what we're asking you on this day after Halloween, 
Old Hallows Eve, give us your top five. And this is a, like, I mean, you got full-blown O. Henry's in here. Uh, you've got the Glossette Raisins in there. Like, this is just, this is a plethora. Jesse, you haven't drawn any numbers out. If I handed you the first overall pick right oh now, my goodness. where do you go? By the way, can you can you lift the camera up a little bit, Sebi? It was kind of on the old. Uh, hey, can I I'm guess up, yours? Can I guess, can I guess yours before I do mine? Yours isn't even on here. I don't think. I think you. Mine's on there. Oh, you're, okay. Twix. Twix is high. Oh, Twix is high. There's Twix yeah, is yeah. high. And okay. as someone just whispered to me, Mike and Ike's, which I'm big on too. No, but that's candy. I'm a chocolate. I like chocolate. Okay. I, I, no, but this is Halloween. This is all candy. By the way, underrated right here. Anytime. I mean, when you don't have full-size candy bars, you can't. Brick. That won't but, break if you whip it at a brick wall. But this double bubble right here, I mean, it punches over its weight. Okay, I'm going. I know what I'm going. I know what I'm going. What is it? Snickers. Snickers, the number one overall but, pick. Okay. Can I? Okay, I was going to explain it, but okay, that's fine. I don't have to 12 explain. seconds. Yeah, that's fine. Keep that's going. Well, it's very hearty. There's a lot in there. It's good. It's good. Very good one bite. Hearty. Yeah. I uh, like the mini ones too. The correct answer is the Wonder Bar. Oh, uh, we will get there. Because it's Send rare. us in your top five at Tim and Friends. Coming very up, rare. we got a ton of hockey to talk about. <laughs> Ron McLean, Tara Sloan, Brad Chilton. Tim and Friends. Throw more rockets. Tim and Friends. Now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Tim and friends back with you for another hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Coming up, Rob McLean and Tara Sloan will join us from Belleville, Ontario. So we get you set for the Sens and Hawks Rogers hometown hockey right here on the network. Plus, the Red Hot Oilers host the Seattle Kraken in Edmonton tonight. And with his Flames riding a six-game winning streak, speaking of warm General Manager Brad Treliving, the team is warm. I'm sure he's warm and kind in many different ways. He'll join us in just a few minutes. But we begin this hour with the latest on the fallout from the Chicago Blackhawks and their investigation. Earlier today, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman met with the media, making his first public comments on the report since the investigation was released last week. Here's what he said. This certainly has been a disturbing and difficult week for all of us but not nearly as disturbing and difficult as it has been this week and since 2010 for Kyle Beach. As I told Kyle on Saturday, I am sorry for what he has been through and thought he has been courageous, especially this past week. We discussed the path forward with him involved in efforts to confront abuse. We also offered to him and his family our resources for counseling. I'm not sure that, that there's anything we could have done differently or faster based on the knowledge that we have. In retrospect, based on the knowledge that everybody has, I wish we knew about this in 2011, but we didn't. Uh, and what we may have thought the club was telling us or the club thought the situation was before the lawsuit was actually filed and what ultimately it turned out to be from the report, that wasn't this. Uh, and so in terms of the knowledge that was available, uh, I think uh, we, particularly in the last week, 
have done what was appropriate on a, on a timely basis. And we'll keep an eye on that moving forward, obviously. Big news out of Montreal today is the struggling Habs have sent Cole Caulfield down to Laval of the AHL. Montreal lost 4-2 to the Ducks on Sunday to fall to 2-8 on the season. Caulfield has just one assist, none primary, in 10 games. Corresponding move, Habs call up Michael Pizzetta to replace him. Meanwhile, Cedric Paquette has been suspended for two games for his hit on Trevor, uh, Travis Zegras in last night's loss. To the Ducks, Paquette assessed a major penalty in a game misconduct for boarding on the play and again has been suspended two games, so things getting worse for the Habs. Meanwhile, the Canucks have lost three in a row after Saturday's loss to the Oilers. They made a roster move. They called up Travis Hamannick from Abbey of the AHL and sent down Jack Rathbone. Hamannick signed a two-year, $6 million extension in the offseason, but missed all of training camp and the start of the season, of course, due to a personal matter. The Senators visit Chicago tonight on Rogers' hometown hockey. Hawks still looking for their first win of the season. Matt Murray will get the start in goal for Ottawa against his former Penguins teammate Marc-Andre Fleury. Subplot provided. Philip Gustafson made 38 saves in the Sens' win over the Stars on Friday. He's expected to get the start tomorrow against the Wild as they go back-to-back. Now, Gustafson making a case for himself as he sends starting goal at least early in the season. He started two of the three Sens wins this year, and since the start of last season, Gustafson's save percentage significantly better than any of the other four goalies who have started for the Sens. Though I will say this, Matt Murray, not a bad start to the season. Meanwhile, Oilers host the Seattle Kraken tonight. You can see that one on Sportsnet 1 at 9.30 Eastern, 7.30 local in Edmonton. Mike Smith practiced with the team yesterday, still not ready to return. So Miko Koskinen will make his sixth straight start. After dropping their first game of the season Wednesday against the Flyers, Edmonton got back on track with a 2-1 win over Vancouver on Saturday night. Now Saturday's win was a franchise record 10th straight road victory for the Oilers dating back to last season. During that stretch, they're scoring 52% of their power play chances and killing over 95% of their penalties while Koskinen, 6-0 with a goals against average under two and a save percentage of 9.33. And speaking of being hot, Jesse, Game one, five-game road trip for Calgary. Threw it in front, they score, Lindholm! Possibly the most underrated player in the NHL right now. They kick off this road trip with a 3-0 shutout. Goudreau, Lindholm, score! Lindholm with the hat-trick goal, it's the overtime winner! Shot for the line, rebound, the score! Mangiapane gets his second of the game. Andrew Mangiapane just continues to play better and better and better every game. This was a dominant performance. Which team, Timmy, has righted the ship most? My answer was going to be the Calgary Flames. When they score with Daryl Sutter as their coach, they are hard to beat. Here's Mangiapane, got a shot away, scores! <laughs> Can you believe it? Man, is he on a roll. Whatever Daryl Sutter is serving up pregame, yeah. it's working, because they have come out gangbusters for a whole string of games in a row here. There's a shot, turned away, rebound, great save! Denied by the paddle. What a stop. He has been something else. 40. Five save shutout for a goaltender as complete of a game as you can ask for. Jacob Marsh he's been absolutely 
absolutely unbelievable. Third shutout in four starts. Flames are rolling six straight wins. Six in a row, three of them shutouts, five of them on the road. Not bad, Calgary. Not bad. Joining us to discuss is their general manager, Brad Tree Living. Brad, welcome back to the show. Thanks for doing this. You bet. Thanks for having me. Uh, listen, before we get the priorities here, before we get to uh, how hot your team is and how well they've played, uh, we're having a candy draft in studio after some Halloween treats were brought in studio. Are you the type to steal from, uh, from your young ones at home? Are you, are you grabbing candy? And what would be the first overall pick as the general manager in a candy draft, Mr. Tree Living? Well, stealing's a bit of a, I mean, that's a bit of a hard <laughs> word. I think at the time it's brought, I've got two sure. two daughters, I'd say young daughters, but they're not that young anymore. One's left for school, uh, for university. So a lot of pressure on the young one now. She supplies for the whole family. And <laughs> I've been known to dip into a big Turk now and again. So oh, if big Turk. Laying around. And it's very underrated. It gets a lot of heat, but... Uh, there's one of those laying around. It might not stand a chance. I was, I was just, I just got a tweet. Craig Appleby wrote in. He gave us our top five. He said Kit Kat, Twix, Snickers, O Henry Crunch, and then I believe this is one trillion. He put Big Turk. Uh, that kind of slander. Do you put up with that kind of slander no, on a Big Turk? That's, that's, I mean, awful. That's, that's just <laughs> no respect. No respect. Like I said, very underrated. Very underrated. Uh, understood. All right. I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, I saw this coming. I'm not going to be the guy because I didn't. Uh, did you see this kind of start or at least a rebound from 0-1-1 from your guys? Well, you never predict, you know, that you're going to go on on a specific run. I, I, I know everybody... You know, wins and losses gets all the gets all the play, and at the end of the day, it's a result-oriented business. But you really take into consideration how your team's playing. And although our results through the first two games, as you mentioned, were 0-1 and 1, I, we were doing a lot of good things. At the end of the day, you need to get results. But I really liked how our teams played really from day one, from game one in Edmonton. Um, you know, we're we're not giving up a whole lot. Um, we were generating a lot of chances. Our five-on-five five play has been real good. Um, we're getting strong performances from both goaltenders. And, you know, I think we've had balance throughout the lineup here. So, um, ultimately, you needed to turn into Ws and, and game points. But um, I like there's been a consistent approach, and, and, our, and our game's been pretty consistent from, from right. game one. So you mentioned the goaltending, and I want this answer to be outside goaltending because in hockey you could answer everything with, when we get good goaltending, we're good. But what's the biggest thing that you've seen, the coaching staff has seen, that you like from this group? Well, we've been consistent. Yeah. You know, in this in this game, you need to be consistent. You know, individually is what you search for. Um, and then as a group. So our consistency and, and the consistent game that we're putting out has given us a chance to have success each and every night. And I think the, the, the brand of hockey, when we're not giving up a whole lot, um, you know, it makes us a difficult team to play against. And, and you know, we're limiting a lot of the, 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 the chances against. Um, we're making teams earn, earn their, their chances against us. There's not a lot of space, not a lot of room out there. Um, and, and that's a key to, you know, how we're going to have to play to have success. But I really think, and, and again, it's a motherhood statement, but we've... And it's really early here. Um, yep. you know, we're, we're talking 
we're just through the first couple of weeks. But you know, if you can if you can have a consistent game night in, night out, and know what you're going to expect um, that you're putting out there, and, and and we know what our game looks like now when it's when it's good. So you know, there's a standard that we want to we want to try to live up to each and every night. I know there was a lot of chatter in the market, especially in the off season, about what happens if this doesn't work uh, this year. Did, did you and the team feel some added pressure this year? No, there's always chatter in the market, and uh, you know, especially in the Canadian market, that's that's part of the, you know, that's just part of the, the deal. And uh, you know, there's always lots of people that got lots of opinions. We don't put a whole lot of stock into that. Um, you know, we like I said coming into the year, we, we have a lot of faith in the group that we have here. Um, you know, we're past last year, but we had a down year. We underperformed. There's a lot of um, ability here. And uh, and our guys, even talking to them over the course of the summer, they were, you know, they were very determined. It was a very determined group to, to show that they were capable of much more um, than what was shown last year. And again, you know, having said all that, I, I think it's really important to pump the brakes here and know that we're we're a couple of weeks in. We're you know whatever we are now, eight games into the season. So we've got lots of hockey in front of us. But um, really happy with how how committed the group is. Um, I think we, there's you know we we've made a lot of changes. There's a lot of new faces here. And over the course of the you know I was I was concerned over training camp because we went through a it was sort of a, st- a lot of stops and starts in camp. We had guys that got injured early. Uh, we lost a lot of players. Throughout the exhibition, um, we had Blake Coleman suspended, so we, we weren't really able to get our full group together. Um, uh, so they've they've come together quickly, and I think Daryl and his staff have done a marvelous job of, of, of bringing this all together. So um, a good start, and uh, and that's all it is right now is a good start. And 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 this this game and this league can humble you very very quickly. Yes. So we'll just uh, leave it at that and get ready for. Okay, so let's. Uh, I know obviously this early success is leading people down roads, and you know you, you've got these wins, and Sean Monahan's got one goal and three points, but he's being asked to do different things. Do you think you need more out of Sean? Well, I think everybody, especially with a guy like Sean, immediately points to the production and wonder if we need more. I think Sean, as you as you alluded to. Um, has found himself in a little bit different role. And, and one of the things that Daryl and I talked a lot about over the course of summer is, is, you know, trying to balance our lineup out. And I think you've seen that. And, um, you know, we need, we, need, we need Sean to be a good player. And that doesn't necessarily always translate to, uh, into goals and assists. Now, he's done that over the course of his career. Um, we need him to do that, and we expect him to. That, that's going to be part of his game. But we just need him to be a good player. He's um, Sean's really dug in. Um, like I said, if you don't watch the games, you, you immediately point to goals and assists and wonder if he's struggling. Um, I think his game has been real good. He's been committed on both ends of the ice. Um, you know, he's really, he's really, um, you know, and he's coming off a, a significant injury where he, he went through. An operation and rehab over the course of the summer. So, um, the game that Sean's giving us right now is exactly uh, the game that we need from him. And uh, I think the fact that he, he had one go in for him over the weekend uh, will only help his confidence. And, and you know, he's got an ability to shoot it in the net. 
um, unlike a lot of, you know, it's a special skill that he's got, and I anticipate that will continue. Uh, one of my favorite quotes in sports, because I believe you might be referring to it with Sean Monaghan, and I'm going to bring it up in the, in the terms of Andrew Mangiapane, is success is one thing, impact is another. Like, you cannot have success but make an impact and vice versa, and I think that impact is very, very important. Uh, Mangiapane is such a great story because he basically walked on to the Barry Colts. He's a sixth-round pick, and... Lo and behold, he's a world championship MVP, and he's scoring, you know, he's got seven goals along with Elias Lindholm. Did you think when you got him that he could develop into the player that he is showing that he is over the last little while? Well, I think any time you, you draft a player and then you have a chance to watch them develop, we, we always felt that Andrew had the ability to be a good player. And if you look back at his career, once Andrew sort of – feels comfortable and 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 feels comfortable the level it builds as you mentioned going to Barry, you know as he gets comfortable in the ohl you know after year one year and a half he becomes a real successful impactful player uh, goes to the american hockey league and and has a good you know has a good rookie year but as he as he becomes more comfortable with the surroundings becomes a real impactful player um, and then, you know, you can do those at different levels as doing it at the National Hockey level, which is a whole different animal. But I think as Andrew becomes, as he's taken that step to understand how good he can be and gets out of the deferral, um, which is which is normal for young players, you tend to defer to whether it be veteran players, whether it be maybe more rec, you know, guys with bigger names or bigger resumes, um, and once he became real confident that he belongs in the league, that he could be a good player in the league, um, you know, success has followed. And 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 the story with Andrew is is yeah, you can say he's sort of come out of nowhere and the path he's come, but it's it's been a path that's earned. Um, nobody puts in the type of work that Andrew does. Very few do. Like he comes early, he stays late. Um, it's a testament to when you put in the work and you dig in and you do a lot extra, um, you have a chance to have success. And, and Andrew's a shining example of, you know, all the heavy lifting that he does on a daily basis. If you're around the team, um, there's very few days that he's not, if not the last guy off the ice, one of the very few, uh, or one of the last guys off the ice that he's having the success he's having. Um, so good for him and good for us. Yeah, uh, very good for you, uh, at least this start. Uh, listen, we really appreciate you joining us. And um, when the Big Turk goes undrafted in our candy draft, I will send it care of the Flames, okay? Yeah, it very, very, it's a, it's an unheralded free agent, Tim. Just keep trying <laughs> the turk. Hey, you guys have had success. Giordano, uh, Mangiapane's got a similar story. The Big Turk just falls in line with this That's Calgary right. Flames. Unheralded. Turk. <laughs> uh, appreciate the time. Congratulations on the early success and best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks, Tim. Take care. Uh, there is Brad Living joining us from Calgary. The best part about that is we didn't even take talk about Jacob Markstrom. I'll just, this is all you have to do. Uh, 4-1-1 with a 133 goals against average, a 957 save percentage, and three shutouts. Uh, that's, Pretty absurd. Yeah, that's, that's all you have to say about what Markstrom's done. Although there was chatter in the market and outside the market on whether or not they overpaid for Markstrom. Early, uh, early results 
Early returns are good. Yeah, early I would have taken those stats. When I was early 16. returns this year. Yeah. Pretty damn good. All right, up next, we'll get you set for Rogers Hometown Hockey. Belleville, Ontario will be home this week and has been home this weekend. Ron McLean, Tara Sloan will join me. And later, Derek Henry could be out for the entire season. Are the Titans done? We'll talk NFL with Jonathan Vilma right here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back. Rogers Hometown Hockey is coming up on Sportsnet just over an hour away live from Belleville, Ontario. Ron McLean, Tara Sloan will get you set for the Sens and the Hawks, and they'll join us in just a minute. But first, here's what's coming up on tonight's show. of Elle Canada magazine. How cool was that? It was a gorgeous cover. Thank you. It was honestly one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever had. Stop number three is Belleville and joining us from the Quinty area is Ron and Tara. And we're going to get to a wonderful guest list in a bit. But when they named the town, guys, Tara, like they weren't lying, were they? Uh, it is a very Belleville. Yeah, yeah. it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, we have a gorgeous night. Thank goodness we had some rain over the weekend and we're expecting a full crowd of people. It's so nice. We decided to do it twice. We were here a few years ago and uh, it was such a hospitable stop that we thought we would come back and there's some pretty good hockey around these parts too. That shot you're seeing, Tim, is the Moira River. You showed it a little bit earlier daytime, but here's sunset right now in Belleville. It's pretty a place. Uh, they have a great harbor here. They have a great waterfront, actually. Uh, the mayor, Mitch Penchuk's trying to get the trail system to form a ring right around the city. But honestly, what they've done with the waterfront in Belleville over the years, not just recently, uh, fabulous setting for the show. What is going on? Uh, Monique <laughs> Belair. Does anybody know Monique? Can we get a hold of the uh, fire chief? Ron has a complaint. Okay, so can I, can I get into this? Yes. He's talking about what I'm wearing right yeah, now. Nice this, sweater. Uh, this beautiful sweatshirt. We went to visit some firefighters today at Fire Station 1 and uh, Chief Monique Belair and uh, Fire Prevention Officer Norm Mitz presented us with these beautiful sweatshirts. There's a slight difference. It's a junior sweatshirt. Yeah, so mine says Honorary Captain T. Sloan and mm -hmm. Ron's does not. Well, that's because they saw our show from North Dumfries. Ron was given the C, I was given the A, and they wanted to make things right. So I say thank you, and everything is right in the world. Right, Norm Mitz. I won't forget Norm. I'm going to drop the Mitz. Norm's actually helping us out with the opening, as yeah. is Monique uh, yeah, right. and the mayor. Yeah, everybody's chipped in. As uh, this, uh, We were here just a couple of years ago, and uh, you know there were hundreds, maybe thousands uh, involved, of course, pre-COVID. And they, they came out in a little bit and supported us this weekend on a very miserable weekend. But, boy, the support we've had, Tara, as usual, just great. Mm -hmm. Except uh, for that. Let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the guest list because, obviously, someone's bitter. Tara, tell me who is joining you in Belleville this week. 
It really is an all-star cast. Uh, we have a four-time Olympic gold medalist in Jaina Hefford. We'll talk to her about all things hockey. We don't uh, know what she thinks about what's going on right now, but I think she'll want to weigh in. Uh, we have uh, Elizabeth Manley, who grew up in Trenton, right down the road. Of course, Olympic silver medalist and mental health advocate. And we have two-time Stanley Cup champion Andrew Shaw, who was a member of the Chicago Blackhawks and is a, a local boy done good here. So uh, a lot of star power. Well, I want to get both of your opinions on this because this obviously hasn't been an easy week for the entire hockey world, and uh, we're not going to shy away from it here. Uh, I'll start with you, Tara. What was your reaction to hearing Gary Bettman uh, speak a little earlier today uh, to kind of encapsulate a weekend? We're going to talk about this on the show, and I'm just trying to be as honest as possible, and I think what I will say a little bit later goes a little bit something like this. Uh, I am in this game because I grew up a fan of this game, and I loved what I saw to be a culture of camaraderie and honor. Um, And we know that uh, the culture, I think, in many ways is very broken. What I wanted to see specifically from Gary Bettman today was a a sliver of heart. Um, I just wanted to see something and hear something that wasn't lawyer speak. Uh, I wanted to just I wanted him to grab one ounce of compassion and just have a, a voice that said, I am I am really sorry about this. And we recognize that there are problems. And I did not hear that today. And so I feel fundamentally um, disappointed and unsatisfied. You know, Tim, you referenced uh, a little bit of the same idea, I think, and sentiment uh, at the top of the telecast. Hard. It's beautiful. You know, we're, this, this is such a heavy subject, and the, and the frustration I think we're feeling right now is that everything feels a little bit glib or gauche uh, when you when you address it in terms of uh, the proper punishment. Or, or what's really confusing me a little bit is uh, the whole notion of uh, obviously w- this is a, a story without uh, you know the trial hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. So it's a story without uh, legal status, a story without privilege. It's uh, it's sort of feels like one man uh, cast with the role of judge, uh, people disappearing, uh, almost like a, a pass, free pass, uh, in order to uh, to bury the story. I, I'm sure it's done in the name of safety, and I'm sure it's done in the name of Kyle Beach, um, but you can't shed that feeling that it's being done in the name of. Uh, a brand protection or an institutional protection and uh, and it's so hard right now to like even to interview Gary Bettman right now feels like it's uh, giving license to somebody who's in charge uh, and they're not in charge of this story or haven't really the right to be in charge of this story it's like James Baldwin said way right. back uh, it is the innocence which constitutes the crime at the beginning of the civil rights movement uh, fire next time he talked about you know those in authority it's not enough to say this is a crime of the past and you're innocent uh, the innocence is what's constituting the crime here, and it, you're right. It's a structural thing. It's a, it's a veil of secrecy or silence that's been there for a, a network of uh, people, and yeah, very frustrating, disheartening, and 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 all of that, you know, soapbox stuff feels a little bit, as I said, glibber gauche in the, in in, in reminding oneself of uh, the 4,000 days of pain for Kyle, and and just going back to that interview, just can't shake that, and uh, feels like every other conversation. Is irrelevant. Yeah, without a doubt. When you when you hear him speak, when I read the story, when I read through the 107 pages, it 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 paled in comparison to when you saw him speak and you heard his words and you saw his face. Uh, very well put by both of you. And we will talk again soon. Actually, we'll talk again next week uh, when we move on in hometown hockey. But for tonight, have a great show, have a great conversation, and always appreciate it with me once a week.
Thank you, Thanks. Jeff. All right, there is Ron and Tara in Belleville pulling no punches. Coming up, uh, we will continue those conversations and get to a little NFL conversation. Copper Rush, Mike White, and, excuse me, Cooper Rush. Yeah, forgive me. He had thrown one pass in the National Football League before yesterday. Mike White, Trevor Simeon, all won yesterday. How? We'll talk about it with Jonathan Vilma. Tim and Friends continues. Roethlisberger throws it, and it is caught. What a catch by Fryermuth. Touchdown. Wow, what a big-time throw. Justin Fields making magic happen. Over the middle, and it is Robbie Anderson. Oh, what a hit! Oh, my goodness! And off to Moore, back to Crowder. They got the two to the quarterback, White! What a game for Mike White, getting his first opportunity to start and getting his first win. Wentz faking the handoff there under pressure! Bailey gets it, and it's intercepted! Disaster for Indianapolis! Unbelievable! And the Tennessee Titans win a wild one. Herbert. Intercepted. Phillips running down the sideline, and he's in. Touchdown, New England. Second and ten. They bring it. He's intercepted. P.J. Williams still going all the way. Touchdown, New Orleans. Third turnover of the day from Tom Brady. To the end zone, and it is held for the touchdown. We got Cooper to Cooper here for the go-ahead score. And that family was thinking they're dreaming right now. That really happened? So awesome, and as if the week wasn't shocking enough, most of us woke up to the shocking news that it looks like Derrick Henry will be lost for an indefinite period of time and maybe even the season. Here to help us break it down is not only a Super Bowl champion, but a former defensive player of the year in the NFL, Jonathan Vilma, joining us here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back to the show, Jonathan. Thanks for taking the time. Of course, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I want to get to all the shocks and which shocked you the most. But to me, uh, the MVP of the NFL was just lost, and we don't know for how long. How big a loss to Tennessee? And, and it's obviously big because he's the MVP. And what does this mean in an AFC where I don't know who the best team is? Well, you just said it. that the, Because we don't know who the best team is, in the AFC, it was supposed to be Derrick Henry train running Tennessee into deep into the playoffs, possibly an AFC title matchup. And without him, there is no way that the Tennessee Titans can continue this game plan, this style of offense and be successful. And it's really because Derrick Henry was not only the leading rusher, he was also a second leading rusher after contact. So if you just took his yards after contact, took those yards only, he would have been the second leading rusher behind himself. That's how good of a running back he was. That's how powerful he was. And you're talking about, you know, making average offensive linemen look really, really good because he was so special. Now you put in Adrian Peterson. I know they just signed him. I don't know what they do, to be quite honest, because Ryan Tannehill, he profited 
from that running game in the play action, single coverage. He did a good job of being accurate. But now you can sit back with two safeties. You can stop the run with seven in the box as opposed to eight. It's going to be a tall task for the Tennessee Titans offense. Uh, One of my favorite things in the world of sports is something we coined uh, called chuckles per 60. And it took me a, a couple seconds for me to figure out what you were talking about with the yards after contact. And then I realized what you were talking about, and you got a couple of – Derrick Henry definitely provides some chuckles per 60, very high. So then when we look at the AFC, I was – I mean, KC, uh, Indy, and Buffalo were the wins in succession for Tennessee. Who do you believe is the favorite in the AFC right now? The Buffalo Bills. And – Forget offense, forget defense for a second. Just go to turnover margin. Buffalo Bills are the best in the NFL, the turnover margin. They protect the football, and they take it away. That stat alone has been one of the biggest indicators over the past 25 years of who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to go deep into the playoffs, who's going to win the Super Bowl. I can tell you from my Super Bowl run in 2009, the only reason that we got to the Super Bowl and won it was because of all the playoff teams, we had the highest turnover margin. We were like plus seven. Everyone else is plus two or plus three. So with the Buffalo Bills being as opportunistic on defense and being as careful offensively, that goes a long way into the playoffs. And again, that's just I'm not even talking about how awesome Josh Allen is. I'm not talking about how awesome the defense is. It's just about protecting the football and taking it away. The Bills are the best in the AFC are doing it. With Henry going down, Josh Allen now the favorite for MVP in Vegas. Agree or disagree? I agree. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, I remember us talking about the, the rumblings, right? Is he a bust? Ah, did they pick him too high? And then all of a sudden, you know, my, my fellow Kane, Ken Dorsey, he goes over there. He's the quarterback's coach. And you see a 180. From Josh Allen you see the running ability that we always knew he had now he's able to really read defenses what's what's most satisfying is watching how he's able to anticipate and make the throws as opposed to waiting for a guy to be open and that's what's really taken taking his game to the next level and that's why the Bills are as good as they are now uh, former Toronto Argonaut also Ken Dorsey uh, weighing into the conversation here. All right. No, no, Kane. No, Kane. Kane I know, Kane. I know, I know, I know. There's so I know. much better. I know. I could have said Toronto Argonaut. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a short little it was a little smidget in time. I do know that he is known for the U and when he signed with the Toronto Argonaut, this was a big deal. Uh, it didn't last all that long because he went to do bigger and better things elsewhere. All right, so let me ask you this. What was the most surprising thing to you in a week of surprises? Uh, the Jets coming back from 11 down with Mike White against a, a, an improving Bengals defense. The boys without Dak. Uh, the Saints beating the Bucks again. Hopefully I've wasted enough time for you to come up with your answer on the most surprising thing in a week of surprises. Well, I'm going with the last thing you said, Tim. The, the Saints beating the Bucks. You're looking at Tom Brady who arguably he's playing the best ball he's played in his career. Do you lose your Jameis Winston starting quarterback, bring in Trevor Simeon, who couldn't win a game over in Denver, and all of a sudden you're asking him to literally go toe-for-toe <laughs> with the best quarterback to have ever played the game who's playing at a high level. And not only did he step up, the defense for the Saints stepped up. The defense did it when they had to. So the most surprising 
would be that the Saints won. Even more surprising, pe- peel it back another layer. The Bucks lost because of Tom Brady. Like, you don't you don't say that often, no. right? You don't say that. How many times yeah. you say that? Right. In in his career, you say, yeah, uh, the Pats lost because of Brady. Well, this time the Bucks did lose because of him. That was very surprising. But that's that's the biggest take I have from this past weekend. Okay, so how did they? How did the Saints have so much success against uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks? But like, I mean, this is a couple years in a row. Like, what do they do? Do I have to get into my press coverage here, Jonathan? Do I have to get down? Like, is it the pressure that they're getting on the quarterback? Is it them bumping running at the line of scrimmage? I don't want to go too inside football, but they they are doing something that we've never really seen. Okay, so first and foremost, please don't ever squat like that again. <laughs> I think I ripped something. It was very disturbing. It was very disturbing. So <laughs> going back to I almost lost my train of thought watching you squat like that. So what, what the Saints are doing defensively, and, and Dennis Allen was my secondaries coach uh, when I was playing, and now he's a defensive coordinator. That he takes the mindset of attacking, similar to the way an offense attacks a defense, he takes that mindset into attacking Tom Brady. And what do I mean by that? You just mentioned press coverage. Well, it's not just press coverage. It's press coverage, and then you bring a safety to rob, and it, it's like a hard, I'm telling you I'm going to double Godwin. I'm telling you I'm going to double Evans with the safety as opposed to this playing coy with your safeties and kind of disguise and hope that Tom Brady doesn't know what coverage you're in. That's the stupidest thing ever. Tom Brady has seen every defense. He could probably teach defense better than most defensive coordinators because he's seen so much defense. So I love that the Saints, they make no bones about it. Dennis Allen, when it's press man, I am impressed, man. When I want a safety to take away your player, whoever it is, he's going to take him away, and then you have to play left-handed. And because of that, yes, Tom Brady will still have his yards, but it gets limited. And when you understand that you can't stop Tom Brady, you can only slow him down, that's when you know you're going to have success. You can only hope to contain him. Do I need to get lower? Do, do I need to is that is No, it, please. Just, yeah? just sit okay. there. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, won't, I won't get up again. I, I apologize. All right. All right. Uh, the hands are quick, though. <laughs> Anyways, um, so then why doesn't more, why don't more teams do this? Like, is it personnel? Like, it seems like a blueprint. Is is that going to be like every defensive coordinator now is going to pull up this video and say, "Here's what we're doing against the Bucks." Well, the second thing, which is probably more important than the first, is talent. Right. You know, the Saints have talent across the board. You look at the first rounders on a defensive front. With Cam Jordan leading the way, you look at Malcolm Jenkins, he's been there for seemingly forever. He was a first-round pick there when I was there. Then you have the corners that are playing lights out. They've been playing lights out for years now, right? So you you also, and I, you're right, I really should have said this as number one, most important. You have to have the talent to be able to play man defense, press man, have a safety in either Marcus Williams or Malcolm Jenkins go down, still be able to hold up on the outsides, still have linebackers like Demario Davis that can cover tight ends one-on-one, cover running backs one-on-one. When you have the talent to do that, then yes, of course, it's, it's a lot easier said than done. And so that's the biggest issue for a lot of teams. They're limited either at the corner position, limited at the backer position, limited at the defensive end position. And fortunately for the Saints, they have done a great job scouting and drafting and signing free agents to have the, a premier guy at every level of the defense. 
Uh, the Rams ain't never been scurred, and they just went all in on this trade deadline. Oh, yeah. you, you don't see it very <laughs> often. What do you think about Vaughn Miller uh, with the L.A. Rams? I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it because you want to stockpile talent. As soon as he got traded, it made me think of Nick Saban when he had like four running backs, four studs like Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara. You, uh, I, I believe it was uh, Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake all in the backfield. And I may have missed a name or two, but you get the point. Yep. When you have so much talent, you can literally do whatever you want. The world is your oyster. The best player in the league, Aaron Donald, then backed up by the second best player in the league, Jalen Ramsey. And then you go with Von Miller, who was at one point the best player in the league. And then you have Floyd on the other side. I mean, it, it's just beautiful because I want to see how they use them and how they attack and how they just get after not just the Bucks. You also got to think about the Cowboys. They're going to make a run. Look at the Rams in their own division in case Seattle gets hot. You got to make sure that you can you can basically supplant any team that's coming in your hometown if the Rams are going to host a game, and it's going to be led by that defense now with Von Miller added to the equation. Yeah, just danger after danger after danger on that defense, and it's going to be fun to watch them uh, already with just one loss on the year. It's not as if they're trying to get good. They are good, and they just got better. Uh, just like this show, when you join it, uh, we hope that we're good. But either way, we just got better, no matter what the press coverage looks like. <laughs> oh, thank, thanks, Tim. Thank you, man. Uh, <laughs> making me feel good. Making right. me feel good. Be well, and I promise I, I won't go down again. I thank you. Thank you. Be well. There's Jonathan Vilma joining us here on Tim and Friends. Time for one last break. Last call with the newly married Jesse Rubinoff is next. My feeling is a little bit hurt here. I wonder if he likes the big carrot too. Oh, are we going back to Candy Draft? Time now for our Monday Tip of the Cap, which goes to Canada's Billie Jean King Cup team. Say that five times fast. Stun defending champs France today in Group A action. Francois Banda upset Fiona Ferrero in the opening singles match with Abanda ranked 353rd in the world. Then Rebecca Moreno dropped her singles match, but Moreno and Gabby Dabrowski teamed up in doubles to drop the 2019 Fed Cup champions. The upset alone is worth a tip of the cap, but Canada is also without its two best singles players in Layla Fernandez and Bianca Andreescu. So a big shout out to these women who play Russia tomorrow or the Russian Tennis Federation. Whatever the hell that is. You can watch that matchup right here on Sportsnet. Sportsnet now, 5.30 a.m. in the morning with Carolyn Cameron and company. So big shout out. I sent to our group earlier today, the group that was representing Canada, I said, ah, it's not their A-team. They're probably going to get smashed. Lo and behold. We're good at every sport now. Yes, we are. We have depth in every sport. Although, like, 353rd in the world. Not for long. <laughs> unbelievable upset. An unbelievable upset. So, shout out to the Canadian woman uh, who continue to run things yeah. right now. Well, I don't care if it's soccer. I don't care if it's hockey. Apparently, tennis. Uh, the Canadian woman run things. Love it. Um, we had golf beef a couple months ago between Bryce and DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. Yeah. Now we have NASCAR beef. Oh, this is better than golf beef big by time, far. Big time beef yes. at Martinsville Speedway <laughs> yesterday. Lots of drama late in the Xfinity 500. First, Alex Bowman 
bumped Denny Hamlin, spinning Hamlin out of contention. Bowman would end up winning the race where Hamlin met him at the finish line for a little game of chicken. Uh, then in a battle for second place, it was Brad Kozlowski getting too close to Kyle Busch as they crossed the checkered flag. Busch was mad. Hamlin was mad. And it gave us some unfiltered sound in the pits <laughs> after the race. He's just a hack. He's just an absolute hack. Um, he gets his ass kicked by his teammates every week. It's just, you know, he's terrible. He's just terrible. Well, he drills my ass coming out of four for no reason. I mean, where was he going? What was he going to do? Spin me out? He was trying to do a Harvick is what he was trying to do. For what? For second place? To do what? He wasn't going to transfer through with that. Just freaking man. So stupid. I, I don't understand these guys. I should be out of them right now is what I should do. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, you should choose your words a little more wisely, too. <laughs> what is your uh, favorite beef in sports? We know you don't care for the golf one. I mean, listen, I find NASCAR beef relatively funny most of the time because when they do throw punches, it always seems to be with the helmet on. Like, and I'm not just talking about, like, football fights are ridiculous, right? Because you Same got a deal. full face mask. Right. But smart guys can lift the face mask up, and then there's the pop, right? Right. These guys got the full mask on. They're acting like tough guys. They're all about 5'8", 150. <laughs> like, I don't know what the hell we're talking about here with the NASCAR beef, but it's kind of sort of funny to me. If I was to pick one, it would be Steelers-Ravens because every time they get together, it seems like someone is going to eat it. And they just don't like each other and haven't liked each other and have been good for a long time. So it makes that rivalry Football really beef. I like it. Uh, okay, Steve Buscemi has one of the most popular memes going on on the internet. Uh, you've probably seen it a thousand times. It's the how do you do fellow kids meme from his 30 Rock role about a uh, hundred times a week is what I see that. Um, Buscemi must not be sick of it though because he recreated it as his Halloween costume last night and some fellow trick-or-treaters <laughs> awesome. snapped some pics of him in Brooklyn wearing the red hoodie and backwards hat with the skateboard. I mean, I think, in my opinion, that one is very hard to top, but was there a better costume that you saw last night that you would like to enlighten us with? Uh, off the top of my head, I mean, I just, I saw the cavalcade cross yeah. a, a, along my timeline. Like, this is a new thing in, like, the social media era where grown-ass people get dressed up just I so know. they can take something for the gram. That's 100% what it is. Yeah, yeah. nobody goes anywhere. No, they're no. not. They're not. And, like, I mean, every once in a while you go to a park. But it seemed like there were people who literally got dressed and took a picture just so they could post <laughs> it on social media. Is that a thing? Yeah, I dressed up as a groom. Hey. No. Too soon? Uh, I don't know how your wife feels no. about that. Uh, my, did you see the Miles Garrett one where he... Put uh, tombstones of all the quarterbacks yes. that he had sacked yeah, every his life. Every single one. It was very, very And then put a Grim Reaper up. That yeah. I don't mind because kids walked up to it and they got to see it and they trick-or-treated at his house and yeah. apparently he was there, unlike Sid Sixero who famously turns the lights off <laughs> and goes and hosts a Bachelor Canada show. Do uh, you want to go through your top five or would you like to hear what some of the viewers have to say about their top five when it comes to the candy draft? Okay, so earlier in the show uh, we mentioned how Mark Sheldon, producer of the show, uh, had a ton of full-size <laughs> candy bars left over because no kids trick-or-treated at his house. All of it is from him. This is what he was handing out at the house last night, and nobody came by. I want to hear what the what the Tim and friends, so what the friends of the show were saying about what would be their top five 
in the candy draft. We heard from Bradtree Living. He said Big Turk. Yeah. I forgot to ask Jonathan Vilma because we were just talking football. You said... Snickers. Snickers, which is a solid pick. I got to yeah, give you credit. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm not going to read all five for every single person, but we'll rifle through a couple good ones here. Okay. Ebony says uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, which you actually said uh, was going to be really the, high. Yeah, I feel like that's the odds on favorite. We might have to do the, a separate poll with like the top four that are most mentioned and then go from there. Yeah, like a power ranking? Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, Ninja Cat says uh, Glossette Raisins, number one. Get out of here. I uh, also like so oh, Henry on. and Wonder Bar. Hold on. Ninja? Hold on. Because Exhibit says Snickers first, Glossette last. Glossette last. So two different people. Okay, but hold Glossette on. Glossette on almonds, ends. I'm down. You don't like the raisins part of it. Raisins are garbage. If you get if you get that raisin pack in your bag as a child, you are upset. You're telling me if you simply put chocolate on top of those raisins, they somehow move to the top of the board? No. Ixnay, not a chance. I I, I, I disagree. I dis- I think chocolate makes a world of difference. I wouldn't touch anything there that's not chocolate. Chocolate, you could have 20 options there, and I'm choosing that are not chocolate. Starburst. I'm choosing all the chocolate ones. No, taking chocolate Skittles. over Starburst. Chocolate. You just. What you? You, you, you really know. think that the chocolate doesn't make a difference to raisins? No, the chocolate makes a difference for the raisins. Yeah. No, no there's still raisins underneath. Okay. If you want chocolate at their core, no, if fundamentally you, they're raisins. They're, they're raisins <laughs> to the bone. At their core, if you right. want chocolate, just grab one of the 50 other chocolates. Okay. How could fair. chocolate and caramel not be a hundred times better than chocolate and raisin? There's a Rolo on there. A Rolo, Jesse! You would take Rolo over Glossettes? Oh. What is that doing crazy? here? What, you, seven? Of course you would! You like Rolo? Okay, there's people here that are saying they would throw Rolo out. That they would throw it in the trash. I give up. They would literally throw it in the trash. Kaylee says Glossettes go oh. in the trash where they belong with all the other raisins. Uh, Nicholas says throw away the Smarties, Rolo, and Rockets. So he's throwing it against a, uh, a brick wall, is Nicholas, throwing the rockets away. And uh, last one before we leave. Shug says, as a society, we need to stop pretending Reese's Cups are a top-tier candy. Oh, snap. This Reese's is a hot Reese's Pieces take. are elite. But Reese- with the cups... Reese's Pieces are elite. But with the cups, reality sets in what? as to just how much sugar... I mean- is in that peanut butter. I mean, I don't disagree with that to, take, but you, to each that's their why you own. Can't have too much. No, stop talking. To okay. each their own, okay? <laughs> to each their own. I'm going to say this again. To each their own. There's no chance that a Reese's Pieces is better than a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. I agree 100%. Yeah, that's a bad, just a bad take. Not a chance yeah. in the world. Shugs, love you, but that's a bad take. All right. Uh, first overall. Wonder I'm Bar. Taking the Wonder Bar. Yeah, a lot of people like that. You? Snickers. Did I get to keep it if I choose Snickers, though? Snickers! I've been repping repping them all show long. Here we go. Coffee, Chris. (laughs) 